Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together, continuing to unfold it, studying it verse by verse. We're in the midst of an extended study of the book of Romans. We're now pushing on toward the end of the first chapter of Romans. We're looking at some really very difficult verses. And if you've been with me over these last few days, you understand what I mean by that. I'm going to pick up our reading today, chapter 1 of Romans, beginning in verse 26, read 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that were contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. We've been talking in this latter portion of the first chapter of Romans about the tragic consequences of human rebellion against God, the consequences of those who knowingly are turning their back on God, who they know intuitively to be there, who they understand even through the witness of nature that he's there and that we have to account before him. They're rejecting him, putting him out of their minds, instead turning to false gods and false purposes and answers to their life. And God says there's tragic consequences of that, a rejection of the gospel which can save us. And there are consequences that are inescapable. And in verse 24, 26, and 28, we encounter the phrase, God gave us up, as a description of some of those consequences. In verses 24 and 25, we looked at one category of such consequences, and it had to do with impurity of life, sexual immorality. It describes those times when the sexuality which God created us with gets expressed outside the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. And we talked about various expressions of that sinful expression of sexuality. Verses 26 and 27 that I read to you today, and we've been looking at this over the past two days, <clears throat> talks about sexual perversion, dishonorable passions, and how God gives up, gives people up, <clears throat> not only to sexual immorality, but sexual immorality that then takes on a perverted form, a distorted form, contrary to nature. What the passage here describes is shameless acts contrary to nature, contrary to the way God created humanity to be. Things and actions that ultimately scar us, hurt other people, bring about serious problems within our own life. We receive within our lives the due penalty, as he puts it, for such distorted and twisted expressions of the sexuality that God has created us with. And we've examined that a bit more and the cautions that are tied to that. But today, before we leave it entirely, I wanted to briefly examine with you some of what the Bible itself says over in other passages about this particular form of sexual perversion, homosexuality. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we read these words at the very beginning, at the very creation. It says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Sexuality was an expression, male to the female, female to the male, within the very created order of God. This is how God designed it. 
when it gets expressed outside that framework, then it's contrary to nature, contrary to the design of God in creation itself. And such expression he prohibits. He prohibits all immorality, all expression of sexuality outside the framework of the marriage of the man and the woman, the impurity of verses 25, 24 and 25, one example, but also he expressly forbids the distorted, contrary to nature expressions that you find in the perversions of which homosexuality is one part. Dishonorable passions like homosexuality, the Bible unmistakably describe as sinful. Now, are those sins worse than other sins and that they keep you further from God? No, sin in general keeps us from God. That's why all of us need to repent and believe. But certain sins bring with them many other consequences here and now besides separation from God, things that hurt us and hurt other people and distort us. I was talking yesterday about the soul scarring that comes from contrary to nature kind of activities. So there are consequences that impact and certainly sexual perversion brings with it a whole host of serious consequences in people's lives. You say, well, is there someplace else that the Bible talks about this? Well, yeah. In Genesis chapter 18, in the classic story of God's dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah were filled with homosexual expression and sexual distortion. They were noted in history for that. And God destroyed them because of that. He said the outcry, Genesis 18, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah was so great and their sin very grave. And according to that outcry, then God judged those cities. Was their sin worse than other sin? Well, not in the sense of separating them from God, not in the sense that they couldn't have found forgiveness for it, but in the sense of the destruction of them and of the society, homosexuality had far greater destructive capabilities personally and corporately. So God dealt with it. In Leviticus chapter 18, in setting up the moral frames of life in this world, reflecting the righteousness of God and the holiness of God, he says, regarding this sort of practice, he says, you shall not lie with a male as with a female because it's an abomination before God. <laughs> he expressly forbids that expression of perversity. Later on in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, he says, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Uh, this is sinful. This is a distortion of God's great intention. Now, he also condemns uh, immorality, heterosexual immorality. So it's not just that he's calling homosexuality sin. There's other forms of sexual sin. But make no mistake about it. He is saying homosexuality is a sinful perversion of sexuality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in the New Testament, beginning in verse 9, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor men who practice homosexuality. And he goes on and describes other characteristics. None of these inherit. In other words, there's, these are expressions of sinful rebellion against God and the corrupting effects of it. So it's certainly listed as the unrighteous acts. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, in beginning in verse 8 through verse 11, it says, Now we know that the law is good if it's used lawfully, 
Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the God, ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and the profane, and for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for men who practice homosexuality. And then he goes on and he says, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, the Bible unmistakably identifies sexual immorality and sexual perversion as contrary to sound doctrine things that are disobedient, things that characterize an ungodly, sinful life. So, does the Bible say that homosexual expression is sin? Yes. Does it say sexual immorality outside the framework of a marriage, even a heterosexual uh, sexual expression is sin? Yes. <laughs> All sin is sin and separates us from God. But some sin has even greater consequences personally and on a society level than other sin does. And God is warning us now about those greater consequences that do penalties. All right, that's the biblical picture of it. And God is using this sexual perversion category to underscore the argument that God has given us over in our rebellion against him to enslaving passions. Understand, biblical truth is always countercultural. Biblical truth is seldom popular with a rebellious world against God. And in our era, the world in which we find ourselves, and certainly I'm talking in the United States, the culture in which I find myself, is increasingly supportive of and glorifying of what the Bible describes as dishonorable passions. And I read yesterday to you from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, don't be surprised. <laughs> that world is going to be upset with you if you don't join with them in their affirmation and practice of what the Bible describes as unnatural, distorted practices. Brothers and sisters, the expanding homosexuality of our era doesn't prove its normalcy, it rather becomes a confirming argument for God's point here in Romans chapter 1, that God has given over sinful man to things that increasingly corrupt, enslave, and distort and pervert the sinner. Well, join me tomorrow as we move on now into the third category of what we've been given up to is a proof of our rebelliousness against God and God's giving us over to sin. And that is, we're going to talk about expressions about being given up or over to a debased mind. Join me then, won't you? God bless.